Welcome into this April 19th edition of Emaw Radio. Mason Voth here with you from Emaw Online as uh, we get ready to rip through some of the things going on in K-State sports right now. It was either last week or the week before that that you heard from Gabe and I. A little hiatus is uh, still shifting things around and uh, getting adjusted to off-season time. Um, if you have missed the news, Alec no longer with us. He's on his way uh, to Bloomington in the near future as he's going to be joining the Indiana Rivals site. Uh, very thankful and fortunate for the time that Alec was uh, able to give us. And uh, I think we got him close to the end of whipping him into shape understanding a little bit more about what K-State was about and and what everything uh, was like in this community. So uh, I know that he'll be better for his time in Manhattan, uh, maybe not because he worked with me, but certainly because of what he got to experience. And uh, he's written about it, but I can, I can relay to you that he very much enjoyed what he experienced this year in Manhattan, even though it was just September through April for him. Uh, the fact that he, he got to see a, a call, he phrased it like this, uh, it was fun to to cover college football that mattered to people, uh, and obviously that is that's that's something that is very true at K State. College football is of great importance; it matters to people, and so that is a significant deal. Uh, and then obviously the NCAA tournament run that K State basketball went on, and I think more than anything, it's it's the way that it was done because there are teams out there and schools out there that have a ton of success. But even then, it's still not like the most fun. Like it's fun to to win. It's fun to cover winning and stuff like that. But you, there could be situations like Kentucky wins a lot. Seems like it's probably a little drama filled on the Kentucky beat. It's probably not as fun uh, as some people would think, or you just get spoiled by it. The fact that K State was able to win in both football and basketball this year and have great levels of success and do it with the people and the, the athletes and whoever around the program that they had, I think is really significant. And I think that's one of the, the things that um, not only made it special for Alec, but it's it's one of those things for K-State people looking back 10 years from now that is going to still make that experience very, very special. So just one of those things that uh, I figured I would uh, point out and, and, and look at this morning is uh, – just so everybody was up to speed, he announced it a couple of weeks ago, but it wanted to make sure everybody was fully aware of uh, what was happening now. So that means you're going to get me solo a lot more often. Now, when Gabe can can hop on with us, uh, he, he will do that. But for today, just me, lot to get to today, especially because yesterday was a significant day for K-State in recruiting. They were able to haul in two recruits, one in basketball, one in football, both have significance in different ways. And in addition to that, the transfer portal is still very hot. It's popping off, and uh, K-State got elevated good news uh, in that regard yesterday. So we'll, we'll dive into that and kind of talk a little bit more about the transfer portal and what all that means and everything else. Uh, and then we'll, we'll hit on some other stuff as well um, because, uh, you know, I, I gave a shout-out in the, in the Monday Thoughts piece, but – uh, a nice discovery and un, under or uncovering by the uh, K-State Collegian to, to find out that Jerome Tang, Chris Kleiman, and Gene Taylor would be making a trip to Nike's headquarters in Oregon this week to talk about the next Nike deal for K-State. Um, I know from what I've I experienced and, and heard and, and seen in the past, I don't think you have to worry about K-State leaving Nike at all. Um, I think Gene Taylor is very much aware that 
they are the best option out there, not only for the teams, but for the fans and, and whatever else it may be. Um, so he's aware of that. And that means they're going up there not to, I, I probably try and like leverage and, you know, say, well, we got this going on here. They're going to try and, and they may still do that, but ultimately they're going to end up with a Nike deal again. It's just a matter of what they can get in it. And this is a great time for them to be able to have these negotiations because K-State football is looking great again. They they are in a position under Chris Kleiman that you're going to see K-State in the, the top 25 consistently uh, as Chris Kleiman has proven. I mean, he's had K-State in the top 25 all four years that he's been here. Um, maybe maybe somebody did it back uh, in like the, the 1920s when, um, I don't know, some – some random guy from Solomon was just walking into the middle of town and, and stapling something to a cork board and saying they probably didn't even, did they have staples uh, back then? Probably were just like, I don't know. I, I don't know what you would have done nailing something to, to a board back then. And he's like, Hey, these are my college football rankings. Boom. Look at this K state. Uh, even though K state was probably like two and five and they had just lost the Kansas Wesleyan and uh, the, the junction city YMCA and then, you know, the Manhattan boys home or something like that's uh, that's that's the significance level of K-State right now is Chris Kleiman has done something that um, even though, you know, rankings don't always matter. But I think it is significant in some way. It shows that at every point in Chris Kleiman's career at K-State, he has had them with serious momentum and had them in a position where they are relevant. Now, the only year where it really didn't end up meaning anything um, was ultimately 2020. But. I write that off. I really don't put stock into 2020 for what went hap- what happened. There was a lot of stuff that went down there. Um, they handled it well enough to come out of it and have a good 2021, and then obviously built off of it with a great 2022, and it looks like 2023 is probably going to be in a pretty good place as well. So that's, uh, that's something that's uh, of note, and they will be up there and looking, uh, I guess, to see what they can get out of uh, Nike and uh, what it means for the, the school – is they'll be out there looking to see if they can bring in a little bit more cash. That was one of the quotes that Gene Taylor had in the collegian was basically, you know, exploring, is there going to be a deal where, you know, Nike gives some money to K-State, not just, you know, supplying um, all this stuff, but like, would there actually be cash that exchanged hands? So K-State gets some cash out of the deal. Um, Obviously another part of it was going to be, what they can produce from not just like for the teams. Um, We know that K-State basketball is probably in the market for some new uniform designs. So that's something that could be coming uh, in the near future. We already know that they're getting a new, a new basketball floor design. We've known that, but Gene Taylor uh, mentioned that it will be down and ready to go for the start of the next season. Um, But that's where I think uh, it kind of stops for the team. What it means for you as the listener here is is Nike going to actually produce some some cooler stuff for us? You know, is, is that is that what's going to happen? I think we've seen um, it start to happen a little bit more. Obviously, the lavender stuff has been a huge hit, and they have to at least be acutely aware of that and really locked in and realize, okay, uh, we ha- when we make something that is terrific, K-State people are going to step up and buy it. So I, it's going to be, is K-State going to be able to creep into a different tier of what Nike is going to provide for them. Um, we'll just have to see, but that's that's a lot of the, the stuff that goes into it. In the grand scheme of things, does that stuff really, really matter? No, it doesn't. 
but it does matter to a lot of people, and it is significant uh, in some ways to people, you know, fans, recruits, whoever, what that what that production level looks like. So that's one of those things that I, I think is uh, significant to, to just kind of note. I'll be fascinated to, to kind of see and hear what ends up transpiring out of that, and then obviously looking to see what things look like for K-State in the next couple of years with Nike. Now, the other thing that Gene Taylor has on his hands – is going to be working towards, and, and this is a process that goes on for a while, but Gene Taylor will be working on new contracts for both Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang. Um, that's That's been alluded to many times, many places. It, it's going to have to happen based off of what they've accomplished. Um, it's not, I, Gene Taylor is not the kind of guy that I think just goes, well, you know, this you sign this deal, uh, you can just skate by on that. That's what we agreed to. That's fine, whatever. Um, he's aware how college athletics works. He's aware that those guys deserve more. He's aware that those guys probably need more to keep them here long-term. Um, and so I'm of the belief that a deal will be done. It's just a matter of getting everything fully squared away. Um, but I would, I don't know that it's going out on a limb. I, I think it's just, you know, stating and assuming what is probably factual. I would imagine both of those guys have reworked contracts that are paying them quite well uh, before their respective seasons get going next year. Or if it creeps into it, maybe it's just like, you know, a couple weeks in. I mean, we saw Kleiman after 2020 uh, started. He he signed the – well, it was done beforehand, but they announced it publicly that he had signed the extension and gotten the raise or whatever after they beat Oklahoma – so that's something that I would expect to happen too, but that's something Gene Taylor has to work on. We saw that the uh, assistant coaches on the football staff, they already have their rework deals done. Um, the most notable thing there is how they have elevated Colin Klein's level of pay uh, to where he's into a, an upper echelon and certainly a territory that K-State has never paid assistant coaches before. Um, that's a combination, again, of understanding obviously it's 2023 that's kind of how you have to play the game but also in addition to that um that's what colin klein deserves and and k-state obviously has one of the uh more well thought of and up and coming uh offensive minds in college football and colin klein is showcased by the serious interest that notre dame had this year and and we talked about it after uh it all went down and, and it was confirmed that he was coming back but um like that's one of those things K State has to try and protect themselves from, because uh, Colin Klein, like if if he if he didn't want to come back to K State, that Notre Dame job was his, and he ended up making the decision to come back. Not only is he uh, getting to to come back to a place that's very important to him, but now he's going to get a little bit more money attached to it. That that also makes things easier. Uh, you can love something as much as you want to love it, but you love it even more when it comes with a little bit extra money. You know. I, I was at the Royals game last night with Alec and Gabe. Uh, I love the Royals, even though I hate them and they suck and they're terrible. Uh, I don't like how things are going on there, um, but I love being at Kauffman Stadium. You know what made me love being at Kauffman Stadium even more uh, was before crossing into the Missouri border. I just before the game, little, you know, it was like, let's throw something down on something that would be fun to cheer for happening tonight, but like it's kind of random. So it's a long shot. I threw $4 on Bobby Witt Jr. to hit a triple in last night's game. What does Bobby Witt Jr. do? Uh, first at-bat of the game, boom. Rocket to right field. Adoles Garcia played it like crap. Like, uh, he, 
you could tell that he was not going to catch that ball based off the way he was playing it. He had a terrible read on it the entire time. And there goes Bobby racing around the base paths and his high fives and it's loud cheers from Gabe, Alec, and I. And I thought it was just from like a, a little parlay that Gabe and I had done together. And I was like, okay, the, we got we got one leg checked, checked off. You know, we said three total bases, whatever. And then I went and looked. I was like, oh, I, I totally forgot that I had put this down. So that was one of those things where, hey, I love I love Kauffman Stadium. My night was even better because I made I made money off of my trip to Kauffman Stadium, which is tough to do in uh, 2023 when you're going to a professional sporting event or really a sporting event of any kind. So I was more than pleased with that, and that's that's uh I would say my situation's a lot less uh, like what Colin Klein's is, you know, because uh, he, it's with his job and it's real money. Mine is like, oh, I mean, it's you know for. For a guy like me, I I will never sneeze at you know turning four dollars into one hundred eight dollars, but that it's not really much in the grand scheme of things. So we'll uh, we'll we'll move on. But th- those are things that are coming uh, with new deals, whether it's with Nike or the the coaches at K State. Um, that's something that Gene Taylor is working on. And I think it's just important uh, to note that he's very aware that that kind of stuff is important. Um, being ahead of sk- schedule and making sure he's taking care of these coaches who both obviously admire him and are very thankful that he's their athletic director. Um, but again, like that, that can only go so far, you know, like at some point money talks, uh, even if you have this connection and this, this desire to stay with somebody, money's going to talk in the end. So those are uh, things to be aware of. Let's slide into the transfer portal now because it's been uh, it's it's been a, a hectic time for K State tracking along with it. It's been fun. It's certainly more fun when you're you're playing around with these high profile guys like Max Asmus and Aaron Estrada and Tyler Perry. And you know, at first we thought LJ Cryer, but there's a lot of things to consider in the transfer portal. I, I think that this. I think that this offseason, and we'll see where things still go, because I'll, I'll just break it down like this right now. I think that K-State is in a great spot for Tyler Perry. I would expect Tyler Perry shortly after he visits next week, which if you've been following along for the last week and a half, two weeks, if you've been on uh, the email online message boards or reading some of the transfer stuff, I've been confident. I've told you Tyler Perry is going to visit K-State. I think that K-State is in a really good spot for him. But I also think that Tyler Perry was clearly the number three option for K-State. I think, obviously, Max Asmus was number one. Aaron Estrada was number two. Tyler Perry was number three. What has changed in this process now and why steam is starting to pick up a little bit quicker with Tyler Perry and why going from a top eight that did not have K-State included, which, again, I told you that that didn't matter. K-State was squarely in the mix for Tyler Perry. It was, it was all calculated. They knew what they were doing. So going from that to now a uh, top three or four release where K-State is in the mix, what it tells me is this, and I know some other things in this process, Aaron Estrada the K-State is not going to happen now. So because Aaron Estrada is out of the mix, the next man up is Tyler Perry. He slides in that number two spot, and therefore you have – um, in position, Max Asmus as still the number one target on the board, and Tyler Perry is the number two target. From that point, moving on, we'll see what else ends up being the case and where they start to go. Obviously, locking down their two guards has been the priority for K-State so far. 
they will work on whoever else they want to throw into this mix. Is it a wing? Is it a big? Is it a combination of both of them? Because um, we know K-State has four scholarships to work with right now. So that's that's where it sits at at this point in time. I think Tyler Perry, probably shortly after he visits next week, um, we'll, we'll be seeing some good news coming from the K-State coaching staff and then ultimately whenever Tyler Perry uh, decides to announce it. But I, my expectation – and the indication and information that I've gotten all along in this process is that Tyler Perry, uh, in all likelihood, would end up in Manhattan. And I don't think that it was as, as big of a certainty as some people that I talked to thought it was at the start of this process, because I do think if K-State landed both Asimus and Estrada, Tyler Perry isn't coming to K-State. But because they knew that there was a pretty good chance that it's unlikely that you land both of those guys, they had Tyler Perry waiting in the wings and he's going to be still a great addition for them. I mean, I Tyler Perry is a guy I've said it. I wanted them to add Tyler Perry after last season. I was, I, I wanted him to enter the portal and say, this is a guy K state should get. Uh, and then he did it this year after his coach, Grant McCaslin leaves for Texas tech. He's in there and it does look like K state is going to be at least in the pull position right now um, to, 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 to win this recruitment for Tyler Perry. It's just a matter of, uh, what if what and if anything changes but I think they're out on Aaron Estrada I just think that there have been some things coming to play there that uh, that K-State's just not going to be able to match uh, it, it looks likely that it's going to be Alabama that Estrada ends up going and playing for a at this point where things sit K-State's just not going to be able to to out battle Alabama for for a transfer portal guy if it, it's going to um, transcend um basketball related stuff and and obviously nil is, is a big part of that we know that k-state can do it we know that k-state has um, a good foundation but they just they they don't have the numbers that some of these other schools have especially a school like alabama where there's a ton of money coming in there that's going to overflow from the football program and they're just killing it as an athletic department right now they can get it for whatever sport and however they want to do it um, and I, I think that that's probably what's risen uh, the 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 level that Alabama's been able to be at. So I would expect uh, Aaron Estrada to end up at Alabama in all likelihood. It's it doesn't one hundred percent rule out K State. A lot can change. He's supposed to announce his decision ten days from now. Um, so maybe things can change at this point in time. But the indication and the way things are starting to move, I think the writing is on the wall that um, at the very least, even if it's not Alabama. Aaron Estrada probably not going to come to K-State, but I am also open to the fact that we could watch this 10 days from now and I could be very, very wrong. That's just kind of how the portal works, but um, it, it's essentially, it, it, it's kind of like uh, results on election night um, where you're watching and you have the one candidate and it's like, oh man, okay, well, they're, they're, they're already up, you know, 60 to 40% here. Oh, they're, now they're up 65 to 35% of the votes. And, but it's the race is not called yet. You know, you, you've only got 25% of the precincts reporting, whatever. And as the night goes on, they, they go around, you know, depends on uh, demographic and, and location and all this other stuff. And you start to see, oh, they're the race is getting tighter, um, even though it looked like somebody had a significant lead. And then sometimes maybe that person that was down big early, they do pass and win. And other times that person was up big early, they win by a small margin or they just keep running away with it. And that's kind of what the transfer portal is like. We only have 
Um, except in the transfer portal, we don't have the background knowledge of the last however many elections they'll look around and say, okay, well, you know, th- these guys typically vote this way, so we know that this is going to kind of even up a little bit more. Or uh, these guys are, are, are going this way, so we know this race is going to get even bigger. We don't really have that in the transfer portal, but I do think that the whole process of when we're giving out information in regards to the transfer portal is more of a, uh, this is what it is 100% at this moment. That does not mean that this is what it is 20 minutes from now, 20 days from now, whatever it is. Um, it's the same way in, in, in high school recruiting, but even to a lesser extent. I, I think that there's a lot more of that when it comes to the transfer portal, especially because of just uh, w- with guys that are uh, heavily involved in certain ways. Uh, I just think things are, are, are kind of different with with the uh, the way that, NIL and and what guys are looking for is different in the in the college recruitment than the high school recruitment. So we will see. But as I said, I think Perry to K State is probably the most likely option. I would assume that uh, as long as everything is a go there, he probably makes that decision. And we hear that shortly after his visit to K State next week. And then I doubt it on Aaron Estrada. Now Max Aismas is the one that everybody is probably still very much worried about, as it should be. He's been clearly the number one guy, I think, on K-State's board. I think he's the, the guy that I, I would be most excited to see end up in Manhattan. So what, where does the Max Aismas situation sit right now? That's probably the thing that a lot of people are, are kind of wondering because we know that at various points there have been people out there that have basically just, back to the, the whole election thing, that have basically just called this thing and said that, hey, it's off to Texas. Like, there you go. Boom. We'll, we'll see uh, – um, we'll see how that, that goes. I think that K-State is much more in play for Max Aismas than what people on the outside seem to think uh, K-State is in, is in the play for. Now, we will see. Um, Texas, I think, is still, a, uh, is still a, a leader in this, but I also am of the belief that K-State probably has a better chance of what some are thinking. I think that the opportunity for K-State is still there. Um, I've laid it out this way. K-State, I think, is in a position right now, basketball-wise, where them and Texas can can sell equal success right now. That's certainly easy to do. What this K-State staff has over Texas, though, is Rodney Terry doesn't have anything in his background that you can sell to a recruit. What Jerome Tang has is almost two decades of experience at Baylor doing what he did with guards. And then also what he did in one year at K-State, turning Marquise Noel into a, um, a fringe all big 12 guy, just a, another dude in the, in the starting rotation. He turned him into an all American and, 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 ele- and helped elevate him to a brand new level. Now, Marquise Noel always had that ability, but what unlocked that was Jerome Tang's belief and the way that they were able to open things up for Marquise Noel and put their full belief into him. And I think that's something that they can sell. Obviously, on the the personality side and and the human being side, I don't think you're going to find many other coaching staffs that can keep up with K-State, the energy, whatever it is. I think K-State has a giant advantage there. The one thing that Texas is going to end up having, and this goes back to what I was just talking about with Aaron Estrada, is 
Texas, if they just if they want Max Asmus that bad, they are going to get Max Asmus. Um, there's no doubt about it because they have the greater financial backing there. Like they have the ability and the option to to pony up more of the NIL money, and that's that's just how it works. So that's what I think K State is going to be battling battling against. Also, the other thing Texas has going for them is proximity to home for Asmus. So he's a he's a Texas kid. Um, so that, that's one of those things that can, can play a role in it too, certainly. But I think K-State has a much greater chance in this than what, than what people on the outside seem to think. I think that people that are covering K-State on a daily basis, um, I think they seem to, to be in agreement with me that K-State's a, a, a more serious player in this than what some people think. And I, I think ultimately, like Max Asimus is going to be a stud wherever he goes next year, but... I think it's easier to project him being the best player he can be next season in Manhattan. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably the greatest selling point for K-State and what they have going here is basically making the case like, dude, you're, you're going to be the dude here. You, you are going to be the guy. We are going to get you to a, a certain level and, and we, can, we can let you do whatever you want because th- this offense can be yours. So I think K-State has the better pitch. Uh, when you, you, you take out whatever else is involved, but with anything, you have to account for what the financial stake in it might be. And even though that there will be opportunities in Manhattan, the opportunities are far greater in Austin, whether, you know, we, we would like to admit that or not, it, that, that is the case. And we have to, to, to recognize that. So we'll just kind of wait and see. Um, but I, I do think K-State has a greater chance for Asmus. I think that there is a, um, a sense of optimism, even though the visit that he made was was screwed around with uh, a bunch of bad weather. So he didn't get to, to Manhattan until Saturday around lunchtime. He had to leave less than 24 hours later. A, a flight that got sent to Omaha instead of, you know, one that ended up uh, coming straight to Manhattan from, from the Dallas area. But I, I think all went well on the visit. And I think that Acemas is is more seriously considering K-State, we're just going to have to see how things go with, with the Texas end of it. And um, if ultimately he goes to Texas, like there's not much K-State would have done in, in that circumstance. So what this brings me to now is what I've started to wonder for K-State in regards to the transfer portal and how it's going to work. There is no doubt that this staff is fantastic when it comes to their connections and the high school recruiting they've done. We'll dive into it in a second, but David, well, let's just do it right now real quick. David Castillo, K-State lands David Castillo. Uh, He's a consensus four-star amongst all the major recruiting services. ESPN has him as a five-star, so he's even higher in that. He's number 35 overall in the country recruit-wise. Um, with the chance, like, he could move up. He very well could move up. He's been higher in the rankings. He could move up again uh, through through his senior season. This is a massive, massive get for K-State. I mean, what they were able to do here is beat out two staffs that wanted Castillo, Oklahoma State, so the, the, the school that's closest to Castillo. Uh, he's in Bartlesville, so, you know, Stillwater, a little bit closer than Manhattan and, and Lawrence because KU was the other team that was involved here. And – I think that we, we've seen it, and, and maybe there's a, 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 a sliver of truth that, that KU was backing off slightly, but 
don't like don't let anybody talk down to you. KU would have taken David Castillo if David Castillo wanted to commit to KU. He picked K-State because he wanted to pick K-State. And K-State beat out those two schools and whoever else had interest in David Castillo. And uh, it was it's a great clip that uh, that Glenn Kinley of, of KSNT had uh, as he was down there covering Castillo's commitment yesterday in Bartlesville and was talking to him. And basically Castillo just said like it hit him. It said it hit him in the chest uh, when Jerome Tang called after one of K-State's NCAA tournament wins and basically was like, hey, you know you want to be a dude. And Castillo was like, that was the moment when he, he knew that, you know, K-State was the place for him. Um, K-State's doing a great job in, in, in what they've done with the high school recruiting. We know that the 2023 class, it's ranked 23rd in the country. R.J. Jones, Day-Day Ames, Michaela Britch, great players. And two of them are four stars uh, in, in the rivals rankings. Rich is a, is a three, but, you know, m- maybe could get – could could be considered for four-star status. Um, that was a great first class for K-State. They have now started on an even better foot for the 2024 class, getting a guy like David Castillo, who's the highest-rated recruit that K-State's had since Wally Judge in 2009. Um, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal for K-State, and he's a great shooter. He, he, he does a lot of things phenomenally, and um, as people have gathered from from just the way that he's – He's done some of these interviews already and how he handled his commitment yesterday. They go, oh, he seems like a great kid. All indications are that is very much the case, and, and then some. Like, I, I think K-State has gotten a total package in David Castillo, and that's a guy that is going to be really awesome to watch in purple because I, it, it's a big get for K-State. You can't understate how big of a get that is for the Wildcats, and it sets up momentum moving forward the rest of the way. So, to my point here, we know K-State is doing great in the high school recruitment. They are, they're right there in the thick of things. They are, are, are being able to, to set things up perfectly. This staff, again, I go back to the staff and the way that they have their connections, but also just their personality. Like it's very easy for people to, to get wrapped up and like this staff and, and, and want to play and, and be a part of them. So they're doing great there. My only concern, and, and we'll see. I mean, it's it's one. It, really, this is just one transfer portal cycle. Yeah, you you could go back and look at last year, and they did great there, putting together what they did. Um, obviously, Naquan as a JUCO transfer was a big deal. Desi Sills was kind of a, a steal, um, e- even though you know some of the numbers weren't there. But Desi was was a good pickup for K State. Keontae Johnson was massive, but I will at least you know. Uh, you got to admit that there were some circumstances there that led to K-State having, um, I don't know, I wouldn't call it an advantage because everybody else could have done what K-State did, but that was not like a normal transfer portal recruitment for a guy like Keontae Johnson. If Keontae Johnson had entered the portal with nothing that had happened in his past at Florida, it would have been a lot tougher for K-State to get Keontae Johnson if he had been playing the last two years. Instead, he had a missed time because of, of, of the incident that happened at Florida, um, and, and K-State was able to get a little bit of a boost from that. So that's the one thing I would point out there. We are seeing now this is their first full transfer portal cycle where they are able to get in there, and it's from start to finish. It's going to be their stamp and, and whatever else. I think as you look at this, K-State is going to have to ask themselves, are we going to be able to actually land some of these really big time dudes out of the portal 
or are we going to run into limitations with the whole name image likeness stuff? Thus, we can get into the mix. We can be the final two with a guy like Max Asmus. We can be in the top four for Aaron Estrada, top three, really, because Florida State seems out of the mix. We can be right there in the thick of it for all these guys that are really big deals. LJ Cryer was another one. But are we going to be able to have the NIL finances to actually finish the deal here? Are we going to be able to get this completed and in, in, in whatever else it may be? And that's the thing to me that I think um, I'm in wait and see mode right now, but I, I'm leaning towards this feels a little bit like Bruce Weber's high school recruiting um, where, you know, it was great. Like Bruce could rattle off the day before he got fired after they lost uh, to West Virginia, in the big 12 tournament about how they were, you know, they were in the home for EJ Liddell and they were in, you know, this race and that race and whatever else. But at the end of the day, you didn't land any of those guys because you had enough steam to get into the living room and, and be in the mix for those guys. But there wasn't enough to actually get you over the hump and ever land any of them. And that's the thing. It's, it's different circumstances as to why this is the case. But I do think that it's going to be interesting to see over this offseason and the next offseason if there's an adjustment that has to be made there for this staff because they can do everything from a basketball side and a personality side to get guys to be bought in and to want to come to K-State and, and be successful in the transfer portal. If this was a pre-NIL era, but we still have the transfer portal the way it was, I think this staff would be cleaning up. I think they'd be doing a fantastic job. But we have to be honest with ourselves. I'm like, I'm in this boat too. I, I love Kansas State University. I graduated from there like, like most of you listening. But we have to be honest with ourselves that we as a base, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sh- real quick shifting out of my, my job as covering the team to my, my role as, a, as an alum. We have to be honest and realize that we don't have the numbers uh, that, that some alumni bases have. And in turn, we don't have the financial numbers that go with some of that. And that's one of those things where if is K-State going to be able to be in the mix, be in that final two or three for a guy, but at the end of the day, they're always going to finish second or third in the NIL race, and is that going to be enough for guys to, to move past? Again, there's no major reason to worry about that right now, but it's something that you should be monitoring. It's something you should keep an eye on. It's like, you know, that it's like that weird thing, like weird, like injury or like bump on your skin. You look at it and you go, oh, okay, that seems a little different, but uh, I'll monitor it. And, you know, if in three months it's still there, then I'll, I'll go maybe get it checked out. And then three months later, it's gone. So it's like, okay, it really wasn't that big of a concern. I'm glad I handled it the way I did. But there are also people that three months later, it's still there. Or it's gotten worse and you got to go get it checked out. And so I think K-State is in that position right now where it's something to monitor is is it going to be worth their time to continue to be in the mix for the Max Acemuses of the future when, in all reality, are they fighting an uphill battle in some ways because of um, what NIL could do for a school like Texas versus what it's going to do for a school like K-State? That's my only concern. I think that there are going to have to be some honest conversations after this cycle between the staff and then obviously what they're looking at next year to see what they can bring in. And also at the end of the day, realize this, even though the transfer portal is going to continue to be a big deal, 
K-State's probably going to keep a, a, a scholarship or two open every year um, for the, the portal. The goal and the expectation of this staff is not to get your best players every year out of the transfer portal. The expectation is that in, in two, three years from now, your best player is already on the roster and his name is David Castillo or his name is Day-Day Ames or his name is Taj Manning. Like, that's these guys are going to recruit at that level high school-wise and they're going to bring those guys in. They, they've already proven that now. But it's going to be a matter of what they get in the portal, who you're, you're kicking the tires on, and at the end of the day, um, did you spend too much time trying to get players one, three, and four in the in the portal and not focus enough on guys 11, 12, and 13 that you could have locked up and instead they go elsewhere and then you also miss out on the top end guys because of NIL. Just m- acute concerns that I have right now that I think we'll have to, to, to monitor for K-State and see how it, it plays out moving forward. Again, I don't want to be doom and gloom about it because I do think that they have a better chance for Max Aismas than what some people think. Um, I still, in the end, probably would ultimately lean towards saying he ends up at Texas. Um, but that that all goes to the concerns that I have right there. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. Last note for today, K-State landed the commitment of J.B. Price, a running back from Blue Valley yesterday. So the Wildcats, they get two commitments yesterday. That's always a good day when you get a football and a basketball commit. J.B. Price, third-ranked player in the state of Kansas for 2023 that means the wildcats now have players three and four in the state locked up for themselves gus hawkins is the number four player in the state of kansas he was the first commit of the 2024 cycle uh the top five in kansas right now is michael boganowski we we know that uh he is the undisputed number one everybody can kind of see that and and he's i i think by the end of this all like he could he could have four star status probably attached to him. Um, he's highly sought after. I think K State is, is probably taking the lead in that. And if you you follow along, I placed my future cast for for him to K State last week. Um, I, I still think that there's probably a ways to go before we actually get a commitment. But K State is in the lead for that right now. And I think uh, I think other schools are trying to catch up to them. As we know, he made his fifth visit to Manhattan last weekend um, for, for K-State's final spring practice of the year. That is significant. And as I, I said, Nebraska seemed like probably the other top school in there that K-State was going to have to, you know, battle for, um, for for different circumstances. And you look around, if if they wanted to go check out Lincoln a lot um, and, and like they have Manhattan – I get it. Manhattan's like a 20 minute drive, sometimes less, depending on, uh, you know, if you, if you know how to drive. Um, but it's not like Lincoln is that far from the Manhattan Junction City area. If you wanted to go up there a, a bunch, you could. So I think that that's a, a good sign for K State. So as of right now, I think K State lands one, three, and four in the state of Kansas. And in addition to that, number five in the state is Caden Massey, the, the offensive lineman out, out of Linden. I think K-State is starting to, to move higher and higher into that thing. Something that, you know, probably two months ago, I, I, was, I was a little unsure of what K-State would be able to accomplish in the Cade Massey recruitment. Um, now I think that there's more optimism there, and I think that things are moving in a very, very strong path and position for them to where 
Um, it's reasonable to think that K-State could get that done. I, I, I want to maybe call K-State the leader in that right now, um, but I do think they, they are in a much different position now than they were a couple months ago, and I think – I mean, I just think everything that they're doing, they have so much momentum right now. And, again, when, when they get guys here, we, we've heard this for years from every program. If you get them to Manhattan – not only do they get to see Manhattan, they get to see now the facilities that are fantastic. Everybody's random and rave that we've talked to about the, the new indoor facility. Uh, most guys have said like, it, it's the nicest that they've been in. Um, so you have that going for you. And then obviously K-State has two dynamite coaching staffs, basketball and football right now that are doing great things. So you get a, an offensive lineman in there with Connor Riley. Like, how do you not fall in love with that? You get, you know, uh, wide receivers are talking up Matthew Middleton right now. Um, you can actually go to the site, and today we've got an update from Ashton Bethel Roman, a, a wide receiver out of the state of Texas, um, about his visit and kind of what he saw at K-State this past weekend and, and, Matt, and the connection with Matthew Middleton right now, the new wide receivers coach. So there's so much going on there. I think K-State has this momentum, and I, I think that they're in a really good spot where I think we're looking at another – Right now, probably another dominant Kansas class that ends up at K-State. And it's not just a matter of getting Kansas kids. K-State's always been able to do that. What K-State has started to do, obviously last year they did it um, and started to pick up the level a little bit more under Chris Kleiman, and it looks like we're heading in that direction again. They're getting the best of the best Kansas kids now. And I, I think that with the commitment from, from J.B. Price, not only is I think not only is he going to be a, a really good running back for K-State that has everything to be the, the running back that got this offer and made this commitment, but I, I think he's going to get better from that point. Like, and that, that makes sense, but I, I think people kind of understand what I'm saying. Like, I think that there is untapped potential there that can be hit this year before he even gets to Manhattan where he is able to, you know, get into a college weight room, get into coaching by a college staff, like all this stuff that is obviously going to elevate somebody. That's a really good get for K-State yesterday. Um, anytime you can get one of the, the top guys in your state and he, he comes at a position that you, you always need guys at, which is running back, I think it's great. Uh, and I, I think K-State uh, should be very happy with what they did. And again, I, I think it's just kind of an indicator of, white, of what might be coming in the future for K-State. I think we might be looking at at more um, kind of linking up and joining with K-State in this class. So we'll see. But uh, just uh, some some quick football toss-ins there and how I really do think that uh, K-State's in a really good spot for the number one player in the state, Michael Boganowski. And, and we'll see if they're able to uh, add Caden Massey eventually as well. If they were able to do that, I mean, you're talking four of the top five players in the state of Kansas. And, and this year, um, it's a weaker class in the state in terms of top-end talent. Last year, it was like a top 13 or 12 that, that rivals had for the state. Um, this year, it's only a top five. But if you're able to, to clean up and, and do four of the five, like that is really, really impressive. Um, as it stands right now, two of five is really good. Um, I, I think you can go back and look at a lot of the other like previous classes and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find um, anybody that was able to come through and get, like, the same school get two of the, the top five uh, in any year. You go back to last year, 
Um, everybody ended up going to different places in the top five. Edwards to Colorado, Johnson to K-State, Odding to Notre Dame, Randall to Utah, and then Ham to, to Kansas. Um, K-State was, was able to get three of the top seven, though. Jordan Allen was just outside the top five, uh, and Andre Davis was at seven. So that's significant. Then if you go back the year before that, 2022, and look at the top five, um, again, that ended up being everybody went to a different place. Uh, I, I won't do these all, but I'm just I'm just showing off here um, what everybody was able to do. K-State was able to actually do it in the, the 2021 class uh, with Devontae Pritchard and Dorian Stevens. They, they got both of those guys to commit to K-State, obviously. Um, it didn't necessarily work out in, in total, but – K-State's done a great job uh, of recruiting the state of Kansas. It seems like it's going to get even better because I think they're trending towards back-to-back years getting commitments from the top player in the state. I know that I know that ultimately in the last rankings that went out for the class of 2023, Dylan Edwards got bumped above Avery Johnson. Both guys actually went up in the national rankings, um, but Dylan Edwards went up higher. I have a job. I can't comment on the – on. Uh, uh, on the rankings too much. I think that that probably had a little bit to do with the, uh, the Deion Sanders bump. You know, we we've talked about a bump that uh, basketball guys get if, you know, they get an offer from KU or Carolina and then football, you know, Oh, oh, oh he's, he's committed to, to Oklahoma now instead of, instead of, you know, uh, I don't know, throw like Texas tech. Oh, okay. He's probably getting a little bit of a bump. Oh, he's committed to, to Colorado with Deion Sanders instead of, Oh, okay. I have probably a little bit of a bump there. What, what, what are we missing? They like him. That's the kind of thing that I think happens sometimes. The people that do it would probably say, no, nah, that's not part of it. There's a little bit of that to it. Scott, you, you, be honest there. There's a little bit of it to it. But K-State got the number one co- commit in the state when he signed. Avery Johnson was number one in the state when he signed. Um, and that's a big deal. I think that they are leading in the race for Michael Boganowski right now. So that will do it for us here on this Wednesday, April 19th. Thank you for listening to Email Radio. I'll be back on Friday. Probably won't be as long, um, but I'll make sure to do something else on Friday and, and try to make these a little bit more consistent so you have something to listen to throughout your day. May not always be 100% K-State involved, especially as we roll into the offseason, um, but certainly wanted to uh, get something out there for you because there's a lot to recap, a lot to get to, uh, and Hope you all enjoy. Reminder, if you aren't signed up for email online, now's the best time to go do it. You can uh, sign up for a full year. It's less than $9 a month. So you that's the kind of money that you don't even know what's going somewhere uh, when you get signed up for it. It's like me. I, I didn't realize I still had a Peacock subscription. I don't know why. I, I can't even remember why I had a, a Peacock subscription. Um, I still had it, though. So I, I don't know. Well, what am I going to do? I, I haven't canceled it yet. I need to. It's not like it's flow hoops and they're charging you half a million dollars per month for a, a shitty streaming service. Like, come on. So that's uh that that's what you can do. And at the very least, be sure to subscribe to the email online YouTube page uh, where we get plenty of stuff uh, going on up there like this podcast, uh, other great things as well. So that will do it for me. I am out. We'll talk to you on Friday and plenty of updates continuing throughout the week over on email online. So stay locked in for basketball and recruiting information there.